welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt and taxes and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, with the love of fantasy books and funk, and the hatred of running more than three miles, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am honored today to have two guests on the show that have extensive business building experiences. They are um, folks that have been in the land investing niche. Um, both are, are land investors. They have um, started out that way and got successful in what they were doing after um, having successful corporate careers. And now they have transitioned into keeping the land businesses going and growing on top of doing some coaching. So we're getting into some real world advice today. Please help me welcome Howard and Dave from Land.MBA. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us, Dave. We're thrilled to be here. Great to be on, Dave. Well, people can definitely check out your guys' podcast because we just recorded an episode of me being on yours. So they got to check out that. But um, I would love to hear... (laughs) I would love to hear more about kind of your guys' journeys and how you got into land investing and kind of your corporate careers and stuff like that. So Howard, why don't you kick us off? Tell us about how you got to what you're doing now. Sure. Well, um, so I am on my third career. So my first career, I was a military guy. I was in the Marines and uh, did that for about seven years. And uh, finally, at, uh, at that point, I made, came to a crossroads and I decided to get out and go back to graduate school. Uh, so uh, went to uh, Thunderbird down in, uh, in Phoenix, if you, anybody knows it, the uh, American Graduate School of International Management, with a full intention of being a very, uh, having a very international career. Um, my, my specialty in the Marines, I was a communications officer. So this was when I got out of graduate school, it was 96, the, uh, the uh, Telecom Reform Act had just passed. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get into telecom. This is going to be going gangbusters for 30 years. I am going to be set. So that just shows you the uh, naivete of youth. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't quite, it was a bit of a rocky road, but, uh, you know, ended up starting my corporate career, which was my second career for about 20 years. Uh, I was, and I ended up going down this technology path. Uh, And and one thing that I learned is that once you get on a path, uh, it's really hard to get off it because your experience, your Rolodex, your everything, all the momentum goes into one direction and the higher you go in the organization, the harder it is to cut across. So I ended up somehow early in my career veering off into technology versus veering off into the international, which is where I always wanted to be. Uh, I did some, but not as much as I wanted to. So, and then at about the 15-year point, I, I switched industries and I was uh, the, uh, the chief marketing officer of a large media company based out of London. Uh, and that was Finally, I got my international. So I was traveling all over the world all the time, and it was fantastic. Uh, But all good things come to an end. So after about five years, it was the end of 2015, and uh, and, and they reorganized the company, and my division, everything was over in Europe, and I was in the States, not in a position to move. So we kind of very, very amicably decided maybe this is the time to, uh, to go our separate ways. And I 
desperately, desperately did not want to go into another soul-sucking corporate job. As good as that was, it's still a corporate job and corporate jobs, are, you know, I did it, been there, done it, ready to move on. And so finally, after all this time, I said, you know what, I am totally ready to be an entrepreneur, be my own boss, master of my own destiny. So I started looking around and what options were out there. Listen, the way many people do, I was listening to a lot of podcasts like this one. And uh, I eventually learned about land. And uh, it took a few times hearing it before it started to settle into my, to my brain housing group. And I'm like, you know what? There's just something about this that makes sense to me. And increasingly, as I heard the business model, I'm like, this really actually makes sense to me. So I, I bought a course and I said, you know, what's the worst happen that happens? I lose, you know, a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks and, you know, shame on me. So I tried it and, uh, and sure enough, it worked. And I started getting deals and I started making money. And, I'm, and, I, and I sort of, I, at that point, I said, all right, I'm just putting my toe in the water right now, but I can vision out to the, the business that I'd want to grow to. And, uh, and I believe I can get there. So I started building it and building up my portfolio of properties and my, my monthly deal flow and quickly came to realize that this is not something I was going to be able to manage on a spreadsheet and post-it notes. And there were not very many good options back in those days. So um, I really wanted to figure out how to leverage my time better. Time to me was more important than the money. And so I said, I'm going to figure out how to automate everything. So I kind of stepped back to my technology years and I started figuring it out one step at a time and one piece of the business and I would automate it. And I, and I, I also come from a product development background. So the idea of figuring out my requirements and what do I want it to do is just kind of steeped in how I do things. So I took one piece at a time and I just completely automated it. And I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Let me just keep going. So I just took it step by step of the process. I process mapped the whole business and I built software to automate what could be automated. What can't be automated, we can use uh, assistance or virtual assistance, but even the interaction with our assistants can be automated if done right. And so I built that and I, and I took my time and I just did it for my own business uh, so I could apply my full ADD nature to the problem. And uh, when it was something that I was satisfied with, I showed it to some of my other friends in the business and they were like, heck, we want that. So then I realized I had a second business on my hand. So I started a software business selling tools and services to other land investors to help them uh, be more efficient with their time. And I met this, you know, really cool guy out in Minnesota who was doing some land investing and, you know, his name is Dave Denniston and here we are. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I think we're going to have to unpack a lot of that later. Um, but uh, Dave, I'd love for you to talk about your journey a little bit and how did, <laughs> how did you get to this? So, yeah, similarly, I had, uh, you know, corporate America for a while. I was a, I was a partner in a, in a family business for a few years and uh, in, uh, while I was living in uh, both California and Arizona. And then um, we sold that business and uh, I, took a, I took a job with the acquiring company over in uh, Sweden, lived there for two, three years and uh, came back to the States and I didn't want to, I had opportunities on the East Coast uh, and I really wanted to get back out West. Uh, we, I had family in Arizona, my wife in Colorado. And uh, so we decided let's, let's just move to Colorado. I had a little bit of separation pay and we'll figure out what we're gonna do. And I, I had 
the desire to do something entrepreneurial, had a little bit of money and um, ended up, I was looking at some businesses to buy, nothing really worked out. And I, I, I think in hindsight, I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't. And uh, I ended up actually uh, getting offered, bumping into a, a friend from college. He had a startup. So it was in the telecom industry. Uh, and uh, I went and worked with him in, in operations for a couple of years and ha helped him take that business to another level. So that was kind of like what we talked about in, in our podcast, the entre being entrepreneurial versus an entrepreneur. So that was a, a pretty entrepreneurial position in that, you know, tons of levity and, and whatnot. But um, that uh, needed to come to an end at some point. And um, while I was uh, transitioning out of that, um, I stayed on as a consultant for a while. And I started studying real estate. I took some rich dad courses and uh, stumbled on a, on a house to flip. And it was the perfect first house flip because all I had to do was go in and do a little bit of cosmetics. I mean, carpet and paint and a couple of appliances and turned it real quickly, made a quick 20 grand and I was hooked. I was like, darn, okay, this works. So I, I, I started flipping houses, uh, I, you know, got into it, started marketing, built relationships with wholesalers, et cetera, and, uh, and lenders and uh, started, started doing deals. Um, and after a couple of years, you know, I, I made okay money, maybe about equivalent to the most I'd ever made in a, in a good sales job. I was in engineering and sales most of my career. And, um, but the stress, the debt, the dealing with contractors um, and not every deal was cosmetic and make 20 or 30 grand real quick. It was uh, some of the deals were, you know, you're running all over town to vet the deals. And um, it was, uh, the, I'd get the text from the wholesaler and I'd look at it. I'd be in my office in front of the computer. I would do what I need to do, do the review on the computer for five minutes and I'm out the door and on the property within 45 minutes and it's already sold. So that got, that started getting a little bit old as well. So I discovered land through a podcast. I don't remember which one and took a course. And uh, because I had the real estate experience and, and, and whatnot, it, the concepts were pretty easy for me to understand. What I liked about the concept most was the fact that you could do so much of it virtually. You're not running around having to look at the property very quickly and make a quick decision on a two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar asset. You're talking, you know, volume, virtual, being able to outsource a lot of the activities in the business. That was very appealing to me. So I, I digested a course in a weekend. I had mail out within a week and uh, deals within a couple of weeks. And I proved the model. And then I got offered a really good sales job to go back into the industry that I was in. And uh, I was kind of in a position where I really, it was, it was best for my family at the time to take that. So big mental note took, said, all right, I'm starting a new job. I can't, I don't have the time to do a side hustle, but I'm coming back to this one. So after I got you know, comfy in that job after about a year, I started my land business back up and um, 
had great success with it, started to build my, my terms deals up and um, eventually worked my way out of a job and I'm now doing it full time. And um, also, you know, we, so I became a part, a customer of Howard's um, in uh, land speed and we've just built a, a really good relationship uh, at one point customers of his were asking for coaching and he approached some of some people like myself and asked if, you know, we had some time or desire to do some coaching. And, uh, so I started doing that with Howard and uh, after a while we just realized let's stop doing this ad hoc and let's actually create uh, a company around it. So we, we partnered up to form land.mba and um, what we're doing at, at Land MBA is both one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and we have a new venture coming out called the Land Apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to be a group course. But, and so stay tuned on that though. It's going to be very different than what you see out there today. Um, and we're really excited about, about that one. And, and it's what, what I'm really excited about on that is it's going to help a lot of people a lot of people that are in a position that they don't have as much time to invest and maybe they don't have money. So we're, we've been able to divide this thing up into sections to make it more financially uh, feasible for some people, but really, really be able to leverage their time and not have to set up nearly as much of the business. So it's, it's, I'm really excited about that because I'll tell you what, it's so rewarding uh, when you get a call from a student, uh, client that I got one the other day from a guy, I hadn't heard from him in a little while and it was kind of due to hear something. Cause I knew he had some, some deals in the pipe. He hadn't done his first deal yet. And, um, and, uh, so I texted him over the weekend cause I had just heard from another student who told me about the deals he's getting and he's really happy. And so I, I forwarded his text cause I wanted to motivate this, this other guy. And um, anyway, he just picked up the phone and called me. He's like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't been in touch, but uh, I'm closing on a sale next week. And uh, not only am I going to pay my coaching off in one full swoop, I'm going to put 10 grand in my pocket in his first deal. Nice. And man, him. I just let out with a scream. I was so <laughs> happy when I got off the phone with him. Uh, it's very, very rewarding to help people realize their goals. That's awesome. Well, I think what's, what's great about both of your guys' journeys, you can see coming from two different, totally different backgrounds in terms of what you did and, and what you, you are doing. And uh, I personally am um, using land speed and it's been a great service. So especially as people get going past their first few deals, I think it's a really, really wonderful piece of software. Uh, well, we've, we've talked about, and I've talked about land investing a lot um, on this podcast and you know, in an episode, probably after this, we're going to get into some of, of my update on what's been happening in my business. But I would love to hear from each of, of you in terms of, of the land business itself. Like, how are you um, thinking about it? Are you trying to go for high dollar properties, small dollar properties, everything, you know, terms, cash, speak to that a little bit for each of your businesses. I think when everybody, almost everybody who starts out, 
um, they're going to have uh, one of one of the early questions you're going to want to ask is terms versus cash, and and perhaps we should quickly define term terms here, a different version of terms. Uh, so terms basically means where we sell it with owner financing. So we're actually providing the financing to the customer and we, ha we have them on a note and then they pay a down payment and then they give us a monthly uh, payment for the period of the term. Uh, the other option is we could just sell the property in cash. And I think when people start out, they tend to think in terms of, all right, I'd like to do maybe 80% cash and 20% terms, mostly because they need the cash to finance the ac future acquisitions to get the, the machine going. And then as time goes on, you know, maybe it goes to a 50-50 split. And then as they start generating some success, they try to get to more of an 80-20 split with 80% terms and 20% cash so that they can build up a note portfolio, which gives them uh, the recurring stream. So I started, um, uh, and, and I, I don't know, my, my experience has always been, you know, I, I can put those desires down, but the customers pretty much tell me what they want. And that's, that's what my split becomes. Uh, and it depends on, but you can, you can control it by what kind of properties you go after. I mean, if you go after the big, more expensive ones, it'll tend to be more cash because it, you know, they're, they've got good credit and it's cheaper to go get a mortgage or a deed of trust. The cheaper properties will end up going on terms because, you know, it's just owner financing. Um, so, so, you know, we built that up. And then, and then what, and you typically go after really inexpensive properties at the beginning, because the most important thing to do is to master the process and master the, um, you know, the, the tools so that you can get the machine going. And then once you do that, then, you know, and you can do that with cheap properties, which keeps your list, your risk lower and you can, uh, and you can get a lot of deals. And then you, then you start migrating up into, uh, you, know, you start splitting your strategy up into going after different kinds of buckets of, of properties because you want to maintain a, sort of a portfolio management approach. You don't want to put all your eggs into one basket because if the economy changes, you know, you could find that that basket, you know, doesn't work anymore and you have nothing to fall back on. Um, but you start, you start including in the mix more expensive properties, properties in different places. What you really, you know, one of the, one of the things we really try to do in my business is we're always looking for a honeypot. So, you know, I'm looking for that incredible place uh, that is um, not well known by other land investors and where I can just swoop in and, and I can just own the whole subdivision, the whole county, whatever it is. There are over 3,100 counties in this country. So there's plenty of places to play. There are billions of acres and only 6% of it is developed. So there's a lot of place to play. We don't all have to be on top of each other. And so I'm always looking for those, those honeypots. And, and so as we, we grew that business, um, actually, uh, I, I don't think I'm speaking at a turn here, Dave, but uh, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to actually now uh, come together and also partner on a land business to go after very specific strategies um, and, and, and our goal is to, if you, if you think about the, um, the business, you can go in and you can be the whole business, right? You can own everything from the acquisition of the land to the marketing of the land, to the sales of the land, to the financing of the land. You can do it all yourself. Um, my experience in life is that when you try to do everything yourself, you end up limiting your own growth capability. Um, so if you divide those things up, you know, one thing, you know, typical uh, business, you, let's use other people's money, right? You know, and I, there's no limit to how many properties we can buy if we've got the infrastructure in place to process it. So uh, we, we, are, we are really ramping up the use of, um, of third-party money to finance the deals. And then 
we also kind of want to come up with models where we don't have to do every aspect of the business. We can work with other people who might do, do the acquisition of the properties on our behalf. And, uh, and then we'll just be a, a machine in the middle connecting the money. They provide the properties and then we do all the, all, all the sausage making in the middle and get them sold and then distribute out the profits to all, all hands. That's where we're at right now. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's part of the, the new program that we're rolling out. So like sure. how, how many properties are you guys looking to like buy and sell, you know, like a, a month in this, this new business? What does that look like? Well, we haven't actually launched the new business yet. So, uh, so we're, we're, we're putting all the pieces in place. That's why, why Dave is in town this week. Cause we're, we're starting to build up, uh, get all that stuff figured out. Yeah. Um, Dave still has his, his own land business. I still have my own land business and now we're going to kind of meet in the middle. Uh, I think well, Dave does a much larger volume than I do um, simply because a lot of my time gets sucked up into the software business now. So, you know, I'm very happy if I'm doing 10 transactions a month. Um, you know, that's, that's fine for me. Um, mm -hmm. it, the thing about notes is that they're cumulative. So yeah, eventually, you know, people will pay them off or sometimes they'll default, but if, you know, so long as you're, you're acquiring more properties that are churning off, you know, through payoffs and defaults, your note portfolio continues to grow and that's fine with me. And then I put the rest of it into the software business. So Dave, yeah. what about you? How many, how many transactions are you doing a month? Right now. Well, it, it varies quite a bit because I'm, I'm all over the place on price points. <clears throat> so, you know, one month I might do two, but they're $15,000 in profit or $10,000 in profit or more. Uh, one month, one month I might be do 10 or 15, but they're, you know, two or $3,000 profit. So uh, it's the amount of transactions per month definitely varies significantly. Um, but, um, as far as, uh, the business philosophy goes, um, I'm, actually Howard and I have very, very similar, uh, the uh, philosophies and what he just talked about, you know, having a diversity of strategies. Um, I, I believe in a diversity of strategies, not only in air location, size and type, like maybe, you know, you've got cabin lots in the trees. You've got big, uh, uh, large um, recreational properties um, and infill lots, etc. Uh, I like having a, a diversity of inventory types and price points and locations because that diversifies your, your buyer pool. It enlarges your buyer pool. And so, well, if I've got, you know, 10 40-acre properties in the same county, those are going to sell, they're going to be profitable, but they may not be, uh, you know, I may need five over here, cabin lots in the trees in this state, you know, a few over here. So that some, the goal is, you know, to keep velocity and, and, and keep a movement all the time. That's no, that's those, those are all, all good things we have to think about, right? Like how long does it take to sell something? And if you can generate cash, right, you get five or 10 grand, that's a lot better than 200 a month if you need more capital to get, exactly. keep the business going. Um, and certainly there's times maybe, I know for me, at times we buy less and sell less purposely. So that way you can rest and relax for a little bit and not have to have your foot on the pedal to the metal every single month of the year. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I might rest sometime. If, I, if I've got a lot of inventory, I may rest a little bit, but uh, I, I, I don't rest on sales. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, Great point, Dave, because uh, the, the, quest, the question you, know, you just posed was, how long does it take to sell a property? And, and that, to me, is what it's all about. It's about you know, how quickly can I move a property? It's not about maximizing my revenue on a deal. Right. You know, I, of course, I'd, I'd like to, but that's secondary to how fast can I move it profitably? Because I would rather make a lower margin on the deal, but turn my money over more times per year then make a larger amount on a deal and only move my, you know, rotate that money through two deals a year because, I'm, you know, there's more money in the velocity than there is in the individual deal. Mm-hmm. I think it's part yeah, of the reason that- for me why I've, I've always liked the term deals because at least you're getting something in, you know, better to, yeah. to get some money in than just wait six months to a year to sell something. That's always been, been my right. philosophy. If you're willing to take it, you know, pay for that, then fine. We'll, we'll keep moving, you know? Um, yeah, I agree with that. And, 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 and that's why, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, you have the diversity of the portfolio, you have some properties that are targeted to be able to sell for terms. And then you, you have some nicer higher end properties that are in there that you can swing for the fences a little bit on. Uh, I have a great example though, um, of a property a couple of years ago, I, I hadn't actually targeted this area and, um, but I, I mailed a guy, I, I did a mailer for one area and this guy had already sold his properties in that area and he had one uh, out in another area, another state. And it looked great. I thought I was getting a great, well, I did get a pretty good price, but uh, you know, it comes back to you know, what you talked about, knowing your counties. And I ended up buying this property for 30 grand, but I really thought I could get seventy, eighty thousand dollars for it. So I was thinking, yeah, this is a nice sort of triple home run deal. And um, took me nine months to sell it. When I'm used to, I think my my average turn across all my price points is ninety days uh, from beginning to end. Um, but that one took nine months, and I think I sold it for forty thousand bucks. So by almost any other asset class or investing standard making 33% on your money in nine months, pretty darn good. But that deal in the land business sucks. (laughs) I looked at it and I go, well, I could have bought six, $5,000 properties and, and probably turned that money for all six of those properties, two to three times in that uh, nine month period. Um, But you know, you've still got to be able to acquire those as well. But, um, well, I think that, that brings up an interesting question, you know, in terms of acquiring properties. And this is something I found myself is that the, um, the, the amount of mail to acquire properties really varies a lot. So for, for you guys, if you look at lower end properties, you know, how much mail is it taking to get that versus a and when I mean lower, I mean, you buy for a thousand or 1500, you sell for 4,000 or 5,000, you know, middle sized property, I would consider buying for 2000 to five, you know, you're selling for eight to 15, somewhere in there. And so mm-hmm. on. how much mail do you think you guys have to send to get, to get each of those? I think it really comes down to strategy. You know, and and so there, there are two. There are you just raised one one question, which is important, which is what kind of properties are you going after, and then the other one is uh, how are you building your list. So um, let, let's talk about the money issue first. 
So, uh, you know, I, I, my splits are a little different. So I, you know, I would consider anything on the cheaper side to be 5,000 or below. Um, and then I, I really believe in most cases, the numbers, the upper number can vary a little bit depending upon the county, but there is a sweet spot, I, I believe, ultimately for this business, which is between 5,000 on the low end and it could be 100,000 on the upper end or 80,000 on the upper end. Uh, but really what you want to do is, like I said, when you first come in, you go after the cheap stuff because there's always deals to be had um, and you, you'll, it'll help you learn the process. You know, and I, I always look at the first six months of the business like, oh, you sold some properties. That's great. Don't look at it as you made money in the land business. Look at it like you just got paid to get an education, right? Then once you hit the six month point, you've kind of internalized the process. Now let's talk about scaling. And now we're, we're actually creating a business here. So, um, but, but the thing is within that 5,000 and below, that is where the majority of land investors play because there are people bringing a lot, a lot of people into this business, uh, because they're in the education business um, and it serves their purpose. And, and a lot of these people don't end up succeeding uh, because they're not truly entrepreneurs. But before they leave, they mail and they create a lot of competition in, in certain markets, right? And so in that 5,000 and below, you're, you're dealing with a lot of competition from other land investors in, 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 in many of these counties. Um, on the upper end, there's a, p a point below which realtors aren't that interested. Right. Oh, they'll take the, they'll take the listing and they'll put some ridiculous price in there to get it because they'll put dollar signs in your eyes. Oh, I'm going to make so much money for my property. And then it'll just sit there for two years because they don't actually <laughs> effort into it. Yes. Right. So, but there's this, this magical point above which a lot of land investors don't have the capital to play and below which realtors aren't interested. And to me, that's the magic area. Once you get going, you know, especially if you've got some capital to bring to the equation, that's really where you want to be playing. Yeah, just a note on that. And it's, it's, it's below the threshold where you can get any financing, right? So, you know, yeah, less than 75,000 bucks. Uh, so, 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 so the, the, the size of the deal, the, 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 the more expensive the property, the more mail it takes to generate the opportunity. So that's the first one. And then uh, the second one is how you build your list. So there are people out there who teach, uh, Go after tax delinquent properties of where the owner lives out of state because that is the low-hanging fruit. Um, and to that, I say, yes, that is the low-hanging fruit. However, if you only go after the low-hanging, you know, look, if, you, if you go to an apple orchard and you only go after the low-hanging fruit, you're leaving the majority of the fruit on the tree and some of the sweetest fruit at that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, one, let's just say I go into a county out West, you know, and maybe there's, let's just use these numbers. Let's say there's 5,000 vacant parcels on my list. If I reduce that to only tax delinquent out of state, my list may go down to 800. So I don't have as many people to mail to, and that limits my ability. That's one thing. And I've, you know, across, you know, now that we've had land speed for about four years, you know, we've built up the community. We have masterminds every Tuesday night. I've asked this question to people nonstop for four years and said, do you mail to everybody or you just mail to tax delinquent out of, out of state? And they say, we started that way and now we mail to everybody. And frankly, we get more deals that are not tax delinquent or not out of state than if they were. Now, that's how I believe I mail to everybody, but which one you mail to determines your response rate, right? So if I mail to only tax delinquent out of state, I might get a 3% response rate on my mailing. 
If I mail to everybody, I might only get a half a percent response rate on my mailing, but I'm getting deals that I would have otherwise missed. And since in the big scheme of things, the ROI in this business is so good, mail ends up not being that net expensive so long as you got deals coming in the door. I'd rather mail to everybody and get a half a percent response rate and just send more mail out the door. Right. So you're getting, you know, half a percent on, uh, on, on a 5,000 piece mailer versus 3% on an 800 piece mailer. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed, cause I started doing it that way as well. Uh, when I was mailing tax delinquents was the deals that I got accepted. I was throwing out 75% of them because one of the re- big reasons why things are tax delinquent is because the, the mail, um, for years wasn't getting to them for some reason they got my letter but um you know stuff wasn't getting forwarded or whatnot or there's chain of title issues and um so i i was throwing out a lot of those deals so yeah mailing to everybody uh, works much better but i think the bottom line to your question is um you the higher up in price point you go the lower your response and conversion rate uh, but some of those deals, you know, you don't need very many of those deals. Um, and I just tell people, look, uh, there's no magic number. You know, you can't say, well, all right, I'm going to get a deal every 300 letters or every thousand letters or whatnot. Uh, the deals used to be higher. They're still quite good compared to houses and commercial. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a little more competition in the business. But I rarely get skunked on a mailer. But the, the, pro- the thing is, you have to just keep mailing because you might have a bad one and then you have a great one, or you might have two bad ones and then you have a stellar one. The thing is, is I'm, I'm always confident that a mailer uh, at some point is gonna produce deals that greatly dwarf what I'm spending on the, on the mail marketing. Uh, it just, it works. And you know, some, sometimes you, sometimes like our friend said, it's uh, timing and, and luck a little bit. And there's always some of that involved. And, uh, and sometimes it's, you, you missed it on your pricing and sometimes you, you got it just right. And it, and it's timing and luck, you know, maybe somebody just hit that County and, and blew it up. And then the next mailer you do, um, nobody's hit it for a while. And, you know, some people have died and inherited properties. And cause in, in our business, it's about the situation, not the asset. Right. And, uh, you we know, never know when a person's going to be, uh, distressed or why. Our, our job is simply to be dropping a piece of mail enough times that it hits them at the right moment. Yes. No, I think so many great points that, that you guys said in all that. It really depends on your property type and in-state, out-of-state, all of those things. I find that to be so true. So those are really good pieces of advice. Now, yeah. um, doctors, of course, physicians, that those of us listening to this, this podcast, um, time is an issue for a lot of them. So far, we've been talking a lot about doing the business, which of course I'm passionate about because I'm doing it. And I'm using LandSpeed and, and um, having used coaching services and stuff in the past for this business, but maybe that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So for those, those of us that were like, you know, I got my kids, soccer games and baseball practices and helping them with their homework. And I'm being a physician for 60 hours a week. I would love to do something like this, but I don't have the margin of time. What would you guys advise those kinds of people? So, so, so what, 
be ready to get into all of the gory details yet. But as Dave said, we've got something coming out very soon and we could certainly get it back to you. But I, I, think, I think what we can say is that, I wanna go back to what I said earlier, is you can divide the business up into component parts. There's the process of, of finding and acquiring properties. There's the, there are people who finance deals. And then there is sort of the piece in the middle where it's kind of bringing all the, all the players together and then managing the marketing and sales to get them sold and getting the profits distributed appropriately. Um, up until this point, all that's really been offered in the marketplace is this idea of you become an entrepreneur and you do everything yourself. And building a business is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it is, it, it requires thought and strategy and, and it takes time. You got to build websites and make sure your LLCs are set up and you got to manage people and all the rest. But if you could focus on just those things that fit into uh, the rest of your life and the rest of your career, maybe working on that acquisition piece. And if you've got money, maybe working the finance piece can be great. The way we've, we've done the math on this and on the acquisition piece, you can still be generating, I know the numbers sound ridiculous, but between two and four, 500% ROI on your investments by doing that. Um, and then if you layer in, I'm also going to be the investor in the property, then it just it increase, increases dramatically from there and you don't have to do all the work. So I think there are different ways to play it for different people. Um, I have had many doctors uh, who have purchased land speed. We've had lots of conversations. I've got, had many conversations with doctors about whether they should go into coaching. Um, and and it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I had a, uh, an orthopedic surgeon and he said, okay, well, I think what I want to do is I want to just, you know, I want to sell a couple properties, you know, so that I have some money coming in before I get into the coaching. And I said, okay, that, that's fine. That's sort of like saying, I want to do a couple surgeries before I decide if I want to go to med, med school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, it really comes down to commitment. You know, are you, are you t putting your foot in the water or are you committed? Now, if you want to go do a couple deals to prove the commitment, I understand that. But if you've made the commitment, then you got to do what it's going to take to be successful. Because once you've committed and you start taking action, uh, there's, you know, my, my favorite German philosopher, Goethe said, you know, there is genius in boldness. There is genius. Um, I'll give you, and, 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 and what it really means is that once you commit to something and you start doing it, it's like the universe conspires to help you. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, give you two, actually two examples. So the first one is, uh, one of our, uh, one of my very good friends, the, the guy I came into this business with, he's a coach with land.mb is a fantastic guy. He did a mailer out to California and the guy came back and said, well, we're not selling that piece of land, but I got a piece of land over in Missouri. And uh, he said, I don't know. So he ended up buying the piece of land in Missouri and selling it within less than a week and doubling his money. And he said, oh, maybe I'll do a mailing out to this county in Missouri. So he does, does, a, count, uh, does a mailing out to the Missouri, ends up talking to another person out in California who said, actually, your timing is amazing. We've got over 200 properties in that county and the family just got together saying, we want to get rid of all of them. Wow. And you know, if we can make this work, this is going to be the best deal of your life. And he ended up buying 200 plus properties from one transaction in Missouri, all based upon a mailer he did to California. <laughs> so 
you know, the world can, you know, those opportunities are out there, but they're not out there if you're not out there. You've got to be, you've got to be playing in it. The, I remember, you know, it, it's, it's always nice to talk about the home run deals. I mean, the reality is, is that in this business, there are home runs, there are triples, and then there are a lot of singles and doubles. Um, but I bought this property. I just started in the business and um, I get this call. I was actually at the moment in a business suit on Wall Street. <laughs> That's where I was. And, the, and I, was, I had my head in a completely different conversation. And the phone rings and he goes, yeah, I got this letter from you about wanting to buy my property in Colorado. And I, it took me a moment to like put it all together because I was so new in the business. I would, wasn't even expecting it. And I, and I said, oh, how can I help you? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'd like to take you up on the deal. And I said, oh, okay, great. And I'm trying to sound professional. Like, I'm not shocked. And I'm like, so, okay, very good. Give me, blah, blah, blah. Can you give me, uh, are, you, are we okay with the price? And he said, yeah, the price is fine. I went back home and looked at it. I completely underpriced this market. I ended up buying 40 acres from him for $1,900. Mm-hmm. And, and he was out of state, but not tax delinquent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Again, the property was in Colorado. And, uh, and so I bought the property. Okay, now I'm going to sell it. I sell it on terms. I get the down payment and the doc fee. And then they, they said, no, we've changed our mind. We can't do it. Keep the money. We, we want out. Can you let us out of the contract? I'm like, sure, I'll let you out of the contract. Then the same thing happened again. You know, they asked me to get out of the contract, but keep the down payment. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so by the time I sold it the third time, I had already paid for the property and I sold it on a 10-year note at $500 a month. <laughs> a property that I bought for $1,900. Good deal. We, we love those. Well, Dave, Dave, I'd love to know your perspective on busy doctors that don't have time to be the entrepreneur. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so there's a great way to invest in the land business, and that is to be on the finance side if you just want to purely passively invest. And this uh, this fund that we're going to be putting together um, will be a, a great opportunity for that. Um, so what you know, essentially, uh, part part of our our program for the there's the program for the busy people. Uh, that essentially we get them focusing on acquisitions until they, if they ever want to do the rest, they can then take the next course, the next course to complete their, their, their business. But if they just want to be acquisition specialists and wholesale to us, or we partner with them to market it, we take it down, we fund it. But that funding happens with that fund that we build and doctors would be wonderful partners that we'd love to, to uh, invite into it. And it's, it's not ready to go yet, but it will be uh, in the next few months here. Well, I often say that there's, there's two different ways to make money, right? Debt and equity. And so I'm sure in your fund, you're probably going to be looking at both. You know, the, in real estate, there's the term hard money lending, which essentially yep. is you're acting like a bank, but you're yep. getting high interest rates that in this case maybe could be secured by, by a property, you know, yes. 10 to 15% or something. So you're getting crazy, insanely high interest rates often for doing hard money lending. Um, on the other hand, you could get a piece of the equity, right? So you get, um, you, you, you don't get a guaranteed rate of return, if you will, 
like you do in the hard money lending side secured by a property, but you get to participate in maybe what could be a 50% or 100% or 200% or 300% upside. Um, so certainly that would be a great way for physicians to, to passively do it. Although I guess I would say my, uh, my thought would be it would be great for someone to learn the business first so they're not doing it completely blind. I think going through a course like your guys's, even if you're gonna do something like that, that way you can talk the talk. One of the biggest mistakes I see people making with money is they go and invest in stuff that they have no idea what the heck it is. You know, right. um, I see, I've seen physicians invest in a winery in the Cayman Islands or you know, invest in, in equipment leasing stuff. They don't know about equipment, um, but if you learn about it, you know, then you could better understand and do your own homework, you know, to do your due diligence to make sure that you know what people are investing into. What do you guys think? I think that's a great idea. And you just gave me an idea. <laughs> I think actually, you know, cause we have a complete course that teaches people how to do the business, teaches them how to do sections of the business. But uh, you gave me an idea on something to put together for, to help these people understand just at a high level, here's what we're doing. You know, we're, 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 we're targeting people to, to buy at very, very low and resell at low and make a nice margin in between and, and why people buy land, why people will sell it to us um, at the prices we need to buy it and just kind of do like a, a very short course to help them understand um, what they're investing in. Good yeah, deal. That whatever you do, whether it's becoming a doctor or investing, um, if you want to be good at it, if you want to make money at it and you want to enjoy it, you got to find something you're passionate about, something that you can get excited about. Um, the reason I got out of technology is because I lost my passion for it. And Technology is hard because it's always changing. So you've got to invest a lot of time in staying up with all of those changes. It's a lot of personal education to be able to be effective in that. And I didn't want to do it. I, was, I remember saying to myself, I should just get into shoes. You know, I, I understand shoes. I wear shoes every day. I could just do shoes. Because, you know, I was a marketer. I wanted to do the marketing and I liked the business, but I didn't really care about the product quite as much. Yeah, Al Bundy fits you. <laughs> same thing true i mean you could say oh, how, well, how do you get excited about land you know it's just a piece of dirt out there and you know there's there's reasons we do i mean one is because we're helping other people achieve their objectives and their dreams and that's always fun um and then the second reason is because frankly you know in my case you know the product is less important than the process and what that brings me um, and, and in the outcome. So, you know, but whatever it is, you got to find out what that, what's, what's driving your passion, I think. And then, and then all bets are off. Anything's possible. I love it. Well, guys, we're, we are, um, running, uh, out of time here. Do you, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Well, I, I would, I would say that, uh, just say that, um, the, one of the the land business has been one of the bright spots of COVID-19 since we're talking to physicians. Uh, it has been incredible for our business. It's drastically, the sales have been uh, really good. And, and uh, you know, the, the desire for pe people's desire to get 
out, out of the cities, off grid, uh, even if it's just to have a place to bug out to or, you know, to live uh, outside of the city uh, full time. It, it, it's, been, uh, it's been a bright spot. And so it's a good, good time to invest in land. I guess I would say I, um, I, I know this podcast is very much geared towards doctors and those becoming doctors. Um, obviously, I know, I know many. My, my best friend roommate from college is a great cardiologist down in the Dallas area. I've got you know, a few others. Um, even in career, it's all about portfolio management. I mean, being a doctor, is, um, it's a wonderful career. It's a calling. It, it helps people. But at some level, it's also a job which means you're trading time for money. And, and so um, I applaud you for listening to a, a podcast like this because uh, it, it's so important to build a portfolio of revenue streams for yourself that isn't always tied only to trading time for money. So, um, you know, if land sounds right to you and it sounds like something that, you know, you could get excited about and uh, would want to put some, a little, you know, the little bit of energy you have left over because I know you guys work so hard. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, our website is, there it is, land.mba. That's the website. So uh, we, we would love to hear from you, but uh, uh, I wish you all the best of luck. All right, there you have it, my friends. Check out land.mba. They, um, they have a Facebook group and all kinds of good stuff that I'm sure you could connect with just to learn more and, and check it out. We'll appreciate you listening, my dear friends. Make sure to check out the website, www.drfreedompodcast.com. And remember, my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle.